from him who spared not even his own son, but gave him up for us all. And from him who conquered all so that we would not be separated from his love. Come all mercy, grace, and peace to you this evening. Amen. Our epistle lesson from Romans 8 will serve as the basis for the message today. Well, here we are. Last day of the year. Handful of hours ago before we bury this year that we would all soon forget. Hopefully and leave it behind. That's a year that we would like to forget, isn't it? One that was filled with near war, political turmoil, pandemic. Also one that's been filled for a lot of people with job losses, loss of loved ones, pain. We spent the majority of a year hiding behind masks, separated from one another, battling cracked hands from all the hand sanitizer that we've been using, haven't we? And then we're sitting here tonight wondering, what's next? What's next for us? Now, you know, it's easy to, to feel like the problems that have beset us this year uh, have left us feeling conquered and defeated. And many tonight in this world are feeling lonely. Um, they're feeling, some are even feeling abandoned, perhaps. And now what? Now we wait and see what next year brings. None of us know what tomorrow is going to bring or the next year or the months that are coming ahead. But God does. God knows what's coming up next. God knows what tomorrow will bring. The only thing we can do is just wait and see and live out our lives in His kingdom, doing the best we can, working for Him, relying on Him. But you know, despite what this earthly journey may look like this upcoming year, one thing's for certain. God's going to be there with us. God will be there celebrating the joys with us and suffering through the pains with us. And His great plan of salvation will always stand. So as I dove into Romans tonight, I looked at this whole theme of conquerors. Feeling conquered myself this past year. And he speaks to us about that tonight. It's not that it's our works that make us conquerors, or it's not that um, it's our works that make us conquerors and give us life for that matter either. No, we're made conquerors through Christ, as Paul goes on to explain. And as he lays out, lays out this theme of how we're made conquerors, he shows us that we're not left alone in this world, that God hasn't abandoned us or left us behind like he's a distant God, but that God is present in the past, and in our everyday lives, and in the future. Always working on our behalf, on the behalf of His creation. When you look at Romans, Paul's theme throughout Romans points out pretty much the essentials for what every Christian ought to know. It talks about law and gospel, sin and punishment, grace, mercy, good works, righteousness, and as Luther puts it, the cross. But in our reading tonight from Romans, and in also including the, the, the readings that lead up to our reading tonight, Paul uses some of the most familiar and comforting words uh, that, that people have clung, clung to throughout the years, for that matter. Using new and different ways, almost sentence by sentence, Paul speaks to God's promise of how God hasn't abandoned us, and in fact is working on our behalf. If you look at Romans 8, 26 through 30, Paul talks about the Holy Spirit helping us and, and interceding on our behalf. And he talks about predestination, which is really, you know, not a word that you hear a whole lot. It's used a handful of times in the New Testament. But here in Romans, it relates to the eventual inclusion of Gentiles amongst all the people. 
And then he talks about Christ being the firstborn among brothers. If you look at other translations, it's firstborn amongst a large family. Anyway, you look at it, that's a family that includes you and I as baptized believers. And all these verses deal with past and present actions of God. But as we get into our reading for tonight, now we deal with some future actions, almost an immediate future uh, action of God on our behalf, for that matter. So Paul speaks to God's everlasting love and how God works on our behalf. And he says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Paul then uses a lot of rhetorical questions following those things like, you know, who will charge God's elect and and who is to condemn and who can separate us from the love of Christ? And then I love what Paul does. He goes into almost a, a garden variety list of everyday hardships that they were facing back in the days. Some of these are some of the things that people face even today. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? You know, what we need to understand here as Christians is that in this earthly journey, hardships are going to remain in our everyday lives. They're going to be there tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. They're always going to be right there in front of us. And a lot of these things that, that Paul lists here are things that he experienced himself firsthand. I think we tend to forget that sometimes. Sometimes there's almost this attitude like, I prayed about it, and it should just go away, and I should be fine right now. I'm a Christian. God's for us. Who can be against me? Yeah. If God's for us, who can be against me? That's right. The whole world can, but nobody can touch my soul. Nobody can touch your soul because you belong to God. What a promise is that? What a great hope to cling to. And then Paul states a piece from Psalm 44, 22, when he gets really graphic. For, you, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. On the one hand, he talks about the garden variety hardships, which are commonplace. And then he's in, in Psalm 44, 22, he's talking about those hardships that we face out of our faithfulness and obedience to God. Persecution. Both of them threaten to separate us from the love of Christ. Both of them separ- uh, threaten to create doubt in us and cloud our, cloud our faith, for that matter. But while they can do those things, Neither one of them can separate us from him. Problem is, you know, here's the thing. Satan's too stupid to know he's been defeated. But while we live on this earth, he's going to do everything in his power to make sure that you and I have a clouded faith, that you and I doubt God's great promise for him. Then Paul goes on to speak of how our God is an all-encompassing an all-ever-present God who does not remove himself from creation. Paul says, no, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What comforting words. Paul's speaking what he believes. 
Paul's speaking to what he is, he's witnessed in these things. These three verses are powerful in themselves. What it speaks to is that God stands in solidarity with his creation. Think about that. If we had a distant God, one who just removed himself from us all and left us down here on this earth, it would just be more of a theme of misery loves company. But that's not what it's about. You talk about suffering. Talk about the suffering of Christ, the greatest suffering of all. I couldn't even begin to imagine what God felt giving up His Son because He so greatly wanted to redeem His creation. And if we're made conquerors through Christ, and if we have the Holy Spirit interceding on our behalf, that means that when we walk this earth, we're not alone. God's there every step of the way, attending to our needs, working on our behalf. He's always present through the groans and strains of creation. He doesn't sit removed from us all, sitting amidst His glory. God gets involved. Years ago, I heard this story when I was in history class, of, and I'm too young to remember this event because it happened well before I was born, but uh, Commander Scott Carpenter, maybe some of you might remember the Mercury, Mercury Atlas missions way back in the day. So this would have been about 59, 60, somewhere back in that time frame. Anyways, he was the second American in, uh, to orbit space, and he was the fourth American to be in space. And So as he flew this mission... Upon his return, he ended up 250 miles downrange of his splashdown point because of a bunch of malfunctions. He's spinning out of control and ends up out there in the ocean, and both rescue craft and, and the commander were, were both rescued. And um, so then he's sitting there, and all these high-end dignitaries in the country were seeking to honor him. So he's up there on this podium, and he's got all these dignitaries, and he's got the eyes of a, a proud nation gazing upon him. And he's got his five-year-old daughter, Candace, sitting next to him. And as one of the dignitaries came up to pin a medal on him, his daughter starts tugging on his sleeve, starts saying to him, Dad, Dad, I got a, I got a boob on my elbow while you were gone. I want you to see this. What was he to do at this point? Think he'd turn away from it, you know, and you know, shove his daughter off to the side or something? No, he stopped everything he was doing, held his hand out, and tended to his daughter. Why? Because that boo-boo was important to his daughter. Therefore, it was important to him as her father. I thought about that. I'm like, you know, that's God. Our hurts and our pains and the things that we face in this earth that are important to us are every bit as important to God. He listens to us when we turn to Him. We're His sons and His daughters. Why don't you think, what are are our everyday hardships nowadays? What are the hardships in your lives? For some people, it's health, financial concerns, the loss of jobs, the loss of loved ones, fear of any kind, perhaps loneliness. There's a slew of them out there that we all face. But God suffers with us. And God works on our behalf. The Holy Spirit's continually interceding on our behalf. God gave us that Holy Spirit, not only to guide us, but to intercede for us. God makes Himself present in His Word and in sacrament. And He loves us dearly. But how can we turn away from Him? 
How come we don't turn to him when we're hurt? We only find our comfort in his word and in him. It's good Lutherans know the story of Luther who struggled all those times with works righteousness and figuring he wasn't going to heaven because he didn't do enough good things until he discovered Romans. And God's word of comfort, peace in that. How are we going to spend this next year? Turning to God? Walking with Him? Knowing that He's in our everyday lives? Or something else? Nothing in this world. Not war. Not famine. Not politics. Financial or health woes. Or dare I say, not even COVID-19. Can separate us from the love of Christ. We endure together. God endures with us. Not just this year, but in time to come. Until that glorious point in time when we're all gathered up together and the problems of this world are left behind for good. That's when we become separated from this and join that. What better family to be a part of? God can be, if, if, if God is for us, my friends, who can ever be against us? I pray that your 2021 is a blessed year. And that no matter what you face, you know that you face it with God. And to God be all the glory. Amen.